0: But you don't know why I'm here. Hey, hey! Oh, it's okay. Sting. All right, it's ding. Okay, it's it's sting.
1: This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective. Play. Woo! We've been hanging and banging, brother! You're next!
0: Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Woo! Hello, and welcome once again to Nitro Nights. A show looking back on WCW, one TV programme at a time. From the very first Monday Nitro, running through all the pay-per-views, all the Clash of Champions, all the episodes of Thunder, all the way through to the very last episode of Nitro. My name is Si, and joining me this week, as always, the star of the show. The guy who has not seen any WCW beforehand, and is what making this watch back review type effort we have going on so much fun for me and that is the always excellent scottish danny how are we doing my friend
1: hello sir i'm doing really well this week how are you this week
0: yeah not too bad buddy not too bad i was a bit concerned about the uh the old internet about an hour or so before we started recording i had a few problems with it virgin media are doing my boxing but thankfully everything is sorted everything is up and running we're all good to go mate perfect perfect Okay, so today's episode of Nitro Nights is focusing on the 18th of September 1995 episode of Monday Nitro. This is the first show after the fall brawl pay-per-view that Danny and I looked at last time out. The show rated 1.9 in comparison to Monday Night Raw's 2.7, so quite a big win for Raw on this occasion. Danny... What did you think of, of this episode of Nitro overall then, before we start breaking it down?
1: Um, a definite improvement. I mean, uh, there was, uh, like you said earlier, it just it flies by, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah, definitely. These these 45-minute episodes of Nitro, I'm really finding that they just absolutely zip by, don't they? they? just I've watched two today to be able to sit down and record with you now, and it just feels like I've barely watched anything. It, it, yeah. They literally just fly by. Obviously, I suppose watching live with the adverts in there as well, it might have felt different back in the day, I guess. Yeah. But to us watching back on the network, it's it, it literally zips by. And I think you're right when you say a little bit of an improvement because for Brawl, ultimately, we both gave a big thumbs down to. That was a miss for the both of us. Mm, mm. Uh, so I don't think you could have got much worse than that. <laughs> so the only way is up, as Yaz once said. And I I think this this show isn't
1: too bad at all, is it? No, no, definitely. I'm looking forward to getting into it with you.
0: Well, let's jump straight in, my friend. Let's jump straight in. We start off with the Giant and the Taskmaster coming out of an ambulance, greeted by Mean Gene Oakland. And they're speaking of the Giant's father again, making references to Andre the Giant, which is a bit grim. But they're also talking about how It must have been brilliant to send Hogan away in the ambulance and the feeling of snapping his neck and so on at the end of four Brawl. Our thoughts on the Dungeon of Doom, the Taskmaster, and so on are already very clear, I think, Danny, already these couple of episodes in. But... As an opening segment, what 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 did you sort of take away from this?
1: Biggest thing was uh, how did the giant and Kevin Sullivan get in the back of that ambulance? <laughs> 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 I mean, when the camera zoomed in, it kind of, it looked like the giant was just squashed in there, was not th- in the little corner. But yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he was kind of folded up, wasn't he, I suppose? All, yeah. all, all, all twisted and folded up. Yep. And some sort of contortionist effort to get him to fit into it. Because it wasn't a very big ambulance, was it? It was more like a no. a little van with a siren on top, I suppose.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Kevin Sullivan just came flying out of there as soon as the door opened.
0: Yeah, imagine he was getting squashed against a window or something. Like yeah. As soon as they opened the door, he just popped out, you know? Because <laughs> there's no room with, in, with Paul White in there with him. But it's the no, usual definitely. kind of... Of dean nonsense and ramblings and and so on, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, not 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 a brilliant opening to the show, to be fair. But mm. what we have next is a match that is scheduled to be the American Rails, which is Marcus Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. I think the fella's name was, wasn't it? Yeah. Up against the Blue Bloods, which was Bobby Eaton of numerous brilliant tag teams of the past, and Sir William Regal, or Stephen Regal, as he was referred to in WCW. However, we don't see Regal at all. We see Eaton getting a bit of a pasting from the Harlem Heat. They come out and decide they're going to face the American males instead, put the titles on the line. Randomly, they make a tag match for the titles right there and then. We get a little bit more daftness from Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker, and a title change. What did you think of this match, Danny? Talk talk us through what you saw and uh, what you enjoyed.
1: Well, uh, I liked this as a match. Um, this, interestingly enough, was the first title change in Nitro. So this was historic um, ah, just okay. on that alone. Um, and do you know who, just a, a spoiler for in years to come, do you know who's involved in the last title change on Nitro?
0: Oh, let me think. Yes, Booker T. Yep. He beat Scott Steiner, wasn't it, yes. for the WCW title in the last very last night. Steiner wasn't going to be under contract going into the WWE, mm. was he? So
1: no, no, but I found that very interesting that Booker T was in both the first and the last title changes in uh, Nitro history. But um, yeah, as, as far as this match goes, yeah, it was really good, um, good action. Eric Bischoff uh, he keeps referring to this American males versus nasty boys matches match that happened the night previous but it didn't happen on the pay-per-view or did we miss it
0: no it was on the the episode of um ww i don't know what it would have been uh, what show they had on at that time but it was almost like their version of the like a buy-in that AEW do oh yeah sort of three view show the the preview show that WWE do yeah yeah that sort of effort yes and the winning team from that got a title match. So I'm guessing that's why Harlem Heat have come out and said, well, let's just do it now. Mm. I'm not a fan of that sort of angle, especially when Harlem Heat are in theory supposed to be a heel team at this stage from what I can gather. Yeah. So why would the bad guys come out and make a title match to defend their championships when they don't have to? That, from a booking standpoint, doesn't quite make much sense to me.
1: No, definitely not. No, it, it character-wise, it doesn't really, does it? Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, I was quite shocked uh, with the American males winning. Uh, I had not seen a single American males match because uh, I, I'm a big Buff Bagwell fan, and uh, so this is the first time I've seen a full match of his where he wasn't in that gimmick. So I was actually impressed with it. Um, yeah, and all around, enjoyed this match. Uh, what did you think of it?
0: Um. I I did enjoy it as well on the whole. Again, I don't really think it makes sense how they've set the match up, but Harlem Heat look like absolutely badasses here with the way they're yeah. slamming these guys around and, and Riggs and Bagwell both look incredible. They're both incredibly well put together guys. They're well built. They're, 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 they're big slabs of, of, of meat. Basically they're huge. They're huge fellas. Harlem Heat make them look tiny. And like they're just chucking around, you know, teddy bears or small children or whatever, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, there's some really awesome power moves in there. Harlem genuinely look immense. There's frequent tags in and out, lots of power moves, lots of pinfalls as well, which I think I enjoy that in wrestling. When even though, you know, they're probably going to kick out at two all the time because it's not quite in time for the finish yet. We need to remember it's not it's not an exhibition. It's not Mm. it's not two teams or two guys going out and running through a list of moves in order and then going to a finish. It's supposed to look like a sporting contest. So you would be trying to pin your opponent all the time. So that Mm. makes sense as well. Yeah. The the hot tag Buff Bagwell gets, I thought I was surprised with how quickly Harlem Heat cut him off there. He's sort of tagged in, and you're expecting the, the 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 baby faces, I suppose, the good guys, to mount a little bit of a comeback. But yep. Harlem Heat were just like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk talk through the finish, Danny. What did you think of the finish? And 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 uh, like you said, the really really good point, very first title change that uh, Nitro yeah. has seen.
1: Yep, so uh, the finish or America Bell's win, as we said. Um, what really stuck out to me was uh, Colonel Rob Parker showing up once again and taking Sister Sherry away. Um <laughs> that yeah. I kind of zoned out after that. I was thinking, I thought we'd had enough of this, um, at the pay per view, but no, looks like that's continuing on to some way. I'm not sure where that goes, but yeah
0: see i i've never i don't get it because colonel parker comes out sherry's basically on the apron and she's gonna wallet marcus bagwell on behalf of harlem heat while the referee is distracted then colonel parker comes out and distracts sherry and she literally drops into his arms forgets everything around her that's going on stares into his eyes and they just walk off together now i don't know perhaps i'm just not fortunate enough to to, to be that effective with the ladies, but that's never happened to me. You know, just no. just your just your presence means that they're hypnotized. <laughs> you know, <Is> he, <laughs> has he drugged her? Has he got some sort of special cologne? I don't know.
1: <laughs> I mean, anything can happen. It is W nineteen ninety five, so <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah,
0: I suppose. But um, but basically, with Sherry not there to to give Bagwell a, a slap or whatever it was she was going to do, we ha- we have an attempt at a pump handle slam that Bagwell counters into a kind of. Half roll-up, half lateral press, quick one, two, three. And we have new tag team champions and Harlem Heat are very, very cross because their title reign has only lasted one day mm. and they, they're they blaming their manager, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they are. I mean, uh, that's future storylines there that will uh, hopefully evolve, but could also lead to nothing as well. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah,
0: very true. Very true. We get matchaman Man next in a Slim Jim ad. Have you ever seen these before?
1: Um, I've seen them on, I think, a Macho Man documentary. Yeah, but mm. um, did we ever get Slim Jims in the UK?
0: I'm not sure. I imagine them to be like pepperonis. Mm. Yeah, they
1: yeah, did look so... like
0: it, do not they? Yeah, yeah. I, I do like a to be fair. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, green that... ones, yes. Oh, I, I like the hot ones, mate. I like the really spicy <laughs> ones. They're banging. <laughs> <laughs> After we get this Slim Jim ad, Ric Flair comes to the ring in his mm. robe and full wrestling gear. And he starts discussing the goings-on on the four-ball pay-per-view from the night before, where Brian Pillman got involved in their match and aided Art Anderson in his win over Flair. And and it's just a standard Flair promo, which to me always means it's going to be quite good. What, what did you think, Danny?
1: Yep, I mean the. Uh, I agree with that. I mean, how good did he look in this robe as well? This was the robe um, that had been missing for years and years and years, and they only just recently recovered. Uh um, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think it was on uh, one of those WWE shows. Um, yeah, been missing for a long time. This to me, this this uh, was Rick, prime Ric Flair to me as, in terms of look. Uh, I'm not sure about in ring work, but yeah, this was a really good interview um segment here but um yeah
0: yeah yeah and he's he's calling Pillman an outsider and saying, Why have you got outsider involved in our business and referencing the horsemen and so on, so we're obviously not quite done with Arn Anderson and Rick Flair just yet it seems up next we have the newly i don't know how to word it, the newly inspired. I suppose paul orndorff who's now wanting to go by just the name mr wonderful he's got new music new a new jacket he's carrying a little hand mirror around himself i suppose kind of similar to how the bass player in steel panther does for example and he's facing johnny b bad first of all danny as soon as this happened as soon as as soon as orndorff made his entrance i made sure i made a note saying i have to ask danny what he thinks of this guy's entrance to
1: I really liked it. Uh, I really like this theme song. <laughs> this uh, is really good character uh, for Mr. Wonderful because, um, yeah, I mean, did, did, did is it me or did he just cut his uh, ring robe um, in half and just wear the top half because it seemed like half of it was missing?
0: Yeah, it looks, it looks like he's taken the robe and just turned it into almost like a, a, a just a jacket, doesn't it?
1: Yeah yeah it does yeah and uh i really uh that theme song is. i had to listen on youtube after i watched this it's really good uh really good theme song
0: oh so i hate it <laughs> 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 but i think i'm supposed to so yeah i'm, yeah, that, yeah. I'm all about johnny b bad though i think he mm. looks great here he's got the big cape with uh, if you're hot you're hot on the back the the bad blaster as it's called that shoots all the confetti and whatnot into the crowd really really good stuff uh, the match starts with a really fast and vicious attack by Paul Orndorff. And Orndorff even attempts a top rope splash that he misses. I, don't, I haven't seen many of them from Mr. Wonderful, to be fair. Uh, but the match ends, I suppose, very, very quickly. It, it comes out of nowhere to the finish. Talk us through the end of the match, Danny.
1: Yeah, so uh, to, just to start off with, um, Mr. Wonderful just gives him the boost, doesn't he? Just that yeah, straight away, yeah. <laughs> like a prison officer, just kicking him down. <laughs> and, uh, also but the end. Um, yeah, bad get goes for a power driver, but wonderful reverses it into getting the pin, which, uh, like you said, it was a quick odd finish, but yeah, it was there.
0: <laughs> but I suppose in a way it backs up what I was saying earlier mm. about these, these things needing to look like a sporting contest. Yeah. And the fact that a finish can come anywhere to me adds a level of realism to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, going for a power driver on Paul Orndorff is not a good idea because he's uh, well-known for his power drivers.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was a finisher for a very long time, didn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. sure he would know how to counter it, as he did here. That's right.
0: That's right. And it's all—it's it's almost similar to the finish at SummerSlam 92 between Brett and Bulldog, isn't it? With a sort of uh, hooking of the legs from a sort of Sunset Flip-esque yeah. position, I suppose. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was It was a good back and forth. Um, if anything, it's I feel it's a bit of a shame it ended as early as it did. I'd, I'd like to spend a few more minutes.
1: Yeah, the same here. I'm, I'm just glad they both got their four entrances.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: As is the way
0: with WCW Nitro in this era, every time we get something that we look at and think, okay, this is all right, as we just did with Orndorf and Johnny B. Bad, it seems that they don't want us to get too carried away of ourselves. So they slip in a bit more Dungeon of Doom just to bring us to bring us down with a bump, don't they, Danny?
1: Yeah, they had to, didn't they? <laughs> How yeah. weird was this uh, vignette? It's just surreal.
0: It's uh, To put it into context for everyone listening, this is around the time when WCW was, a couple of guys were appearing on Baywatch for an episode or two, and they were around the set. So they shot some, shot some angles whilst they were there. And the Macho Man is leant on a weight bench Uh, and he's bench pressing, he's working out and he's got people from Baywatch stood around cheering him on. And then Kevin Sullivan pushes the male lifeguard a little bit, which sends him flying and we don't see him again. He's just gone. So I don't know how hard Kevin Sullivan can push a guy, obviously incredibly, incredibly hard. And Sullivan kind of pushes the weights down on matrimands, choking with them a bit. And then they get in a bit of a scuffle. There's sand thrown, and people jump in and, and separate Savage and Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan is in his wrestling gear, the red tights and the eyebrows done and everything. And one of those red jackets that <laughs> that were worn on Baywatch, it just looks so strange. There's a little funny, balding, bleached-haired dwarf dude in a Baywatch jacket attacking the Macho man on the set of Baywatch. It was just so strange.
1: I'm sure it's not the strangest thing that's appeared on a beach in uh, California. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> but, no, but yeah, I found this really weird. And then I, what I found re- even weirder was Ric Flair making the save uh, for yeah. the Bunchot Man. And Ric Flair also had his wrestling gear on as well. Yeah, and a t-shirt, oddly. <laughs> like, not, not his
0: robe. Well, I suppose you wouldn't wear the robe to the beach, would you, I guess? but
1: <laughs> It was probably out of shot,
0: yeah, maybe, maybe. It's just it's just a really surreal setup, mm, uh, yeah. and the, the vision of Sullivan wearing uh, what was the what was the guy's name? Mitch Buchanan, I think, was the uh, the main character in I'm not Baywatch.
1: Sure, <laughs> I've never by, seen that
0: in, in my life. <laughs> uh, okay, it's well worth it just for Paul Anderson, mate. But that's a whole different conversation. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm fairly certain Mitch Buchanan was the his, his name was definitely Mitch. Anyway, was the main character in Baywatch. He was played by. The fella who was in the original Night Rider, I can't remember his name now. The actor's name escapes me. That's terrible because oh, he's...
1: David, David Hasselhoff. That's
0: it. David yeah. Hasselhoff. How yeah. can I forget his name and remember Mitch <laughs> Buchanan? That's ridiculous. <laughs> but he always had one of these jackets on that Kevin Sullivan's wearing. So it just looks really strange. I bet they had to buy him a kid's size as well. <laughs> I bet that's not a fully grown-up jacket for Mister Sullivan there.
1: Definitely not. And it wouldn't surprise me if he paid for it himself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and then he's going he's to take it home and draw the, like an oversized pair of fake eyebrows on the back, like he does on his forehead, just to sort of customise them to Dungeon of Doom-esque. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this leads to Randy Savage in the ring, talking about what happened on the Baywatch set, and basically saying he, he wants the Taskmaster, but he's still not happy with Lex Luger, because Luger took a cheap shot at him at 4-Brawl, even though they settled it in the ring at 4-Brawl. And celebrated together when they won. Everything seemed okay. Savage just woken up the next day, still a bit of a bit of the ump about it. It seems Luger arrives, and then they both just kind of ramble a load of bloody nonsense at each other, don't they?
1: They really do, yeah. But the thing that stood out most to me was uh, Lex Luger's uh, puffy pink shirt this time instead of the puffy white shirt. It felt like maybe someone had stuck like a pair of. Uh, Boots in the washing machine and um it uh, mixed with the white shirt, but
0: yeah. <laughs> like a rogue red sock or something, just yes, getting yeah, yeah. Him, getting in with luger's whites, yeah. He's not yeah. doing his washing properly.
1: <laughs> no, he wasn't. But no, yeah, it was a lot of rambling, wasn't it? Just um uh-huh. um and the the other thing that really stuck out was Lex Luger saying once again that he's sick and tired of playing with kids um yes. you thought he would have somebody would have told him about three weeks ago that you shouldn't really be saying that on television
0: <laughs> yeah but I, I get the impression that the wcw guys think this is a good thing as they're calling the wwf wrestlers who are constantly banging on about being the new generation that they're younger they're faster they're, et cetera et cetera, than the old guard who have gone to wcw referencing them as just being kids i suppose they see it as a put down because they're making themselves look like where the big boys play is the cliche, isn't it? But it just sounds so wrong coming from Luger. (laughs) It really does. He he, he says, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to play with kids anymore. I want to play with the big boys. To which Savage responds, I'm the biggest boy here. It's like, Oh, for crying out loud, lads, I'm a word with yourselves
1: definitely i mean um this is the uh problem i don't think this would have aired on wwf television the wording would have been uh completely different
0: yeah yeah very strange but anyway we get rambling between the two and i i'm, I'm not normally a fan of scripted promos i like it when the the wrestlers or whoever can sort of use any personality they have themselves or the manager speaks on their behalf or whatever yeah. obviously they are certain bullet points to hit and so on yeah. like, but i'm not a fan of massively scripted promos i think here this is an advert for scripted promos because it's obvious to me luger and savage haven't got a script they've got yeah. they've been told you've got to get to this point and then we're finishing And mean gene was they're just looking at the pair of them like what are we talking about fellas
1: <laughs> they were one day, yeah. Um just going off that, um I'm a fan of of scripted promos, but not over scripting as, as in the Vince McMahon uh, sense. But yeah, mm. so it's, it's good uh, we can do this show because we're coming from two different perspectives with that.
0: Well, this is the thing, I I'm I'm what we're we on now, this is episode four, I think it is, isn't it, Nitro Notes. And I can't wait to sit down and press record on the next episode as soon as we finish a previous episode purely because I'm, I'm really enjoying these conversations and, and you know, it, it's various reasons to it. Yep. One is we've both got quite different viewpoints when it comes to certain aspects of the wrestling business. I don't know whether that's an age thing or what we've grown up watching or whatever, but it's interesting hearing somebody else's opinion and then they put it forward in such a way as yourself. But then when I'm also trying to express where I'm coming from, you taking the time to listen because it's so easy to just sort of end up arguing with people over such silly things as wrestling. It's not worth arguing about first of all, but, and, and secondly, I love seeing your reactions to this stuff that I watched back when I was 13, 14, 15 years of age. Yeah, You know, I'm enjoying watching it back from a sort of nostalgia standpoint, but seeing it through your eyes for the first time, I find Ooh.
1: fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. it's. Re- I'm finding it really enjoyable as well.
0: Excellent stuff. That's a good job, mate. That's a good job. If you're enjoying the Dungeon of Doom, then it's going to get better and better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for a little bit anyway, and then it drops off a cliff, but we've yeah. years we will got Euros before we that. <laughs> <laughs> we then get a video package of, well, it's basically a catch-up, isn't it? A four-brawl, sort of stroke Hulk Hogan recap, I guess, of what happened with his bike. This is terrible. Um, <laughs> Hogan... Yeah. I don't know what that bike's made of, but they, sh- you know, they should make all bikes out of that because it- the Giant ran over it in a monster truck three times. And I reckon, you know, it's- it still didn't look too bad considering.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure somebody could scrap that off for uh, about £20 um, down in uh, East London.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hogan uh, as well, he's- he stands next to the monster truck and just starts punching the door and shouting like he can't get to the Giant because he's so high up. But it's like if he literally just, Sort of went up on his tiptoes, he'd have him.
1: Yeah, it was just it really ridiculous. Was. <laughs> the only good thing about this was that it was shot excellently, in my opinion. Uh, very, very well shot, very well lit. And, um, uh, thank god, uh, all the uh, children and everyone was out of the way when uh, the giant came barreling down with that uh, monster truck.
0: Yeah, yeah, good show. Are you, are you a fan of of that sort of thing, monster trucks and all that? You see like yeah. the races on the TV sometimes, don't you? All the sort of demolition derbies where they're jumping and doing stunts and all that sort of stuff
1: yeah i was about uh 10 years ago i used to uh, go on uh, youtube and watch all the uh the monster truck racing and uh, uh it reminded me of do you remember robot wars
0: yeah yeah i remember it was with um craig charles hosting it, yeah. It? yeah
1: yeah yeah but uh, only on a bigger scale but um yeah i like i do have an appreciation for monster trucks but um yeah this was terrible <laughs>
0: Ah, see, if you've got an appreciation for Monster Trucks, mate, you've got a treat coming up for you at the next pay-per-view, I'll tell you that.
1: Oh, but wow. we'll get
0: to that soon. We'll get to that soon. The the main event of the show is up next. Again, we talk about how quickly these, these Nitros fly by. It's 45 minutes of television, and it has literally flown by. We've had a title change, we've had a, a skit on the beach, we've had a recap of the pay-per-view, we've had an in-ring promo from, from Savage and Luger, and now we've got the main event so they've packed a lot of tv and a lot of goings-on into this 45 minute episode haven't they yep
1: yeah, they really have they uh, knew what they were doing yeah making very much making
0: good use of the minutes they have i suppose um i'll let you talk us through this one danny if you would the main event yeah. we have uh, and i find this really intriguing as a matchup in itself is rick flair versus brian pillman so yep. yeah but by all means talk us through let us know what you think and any high spots or low spots
1: yep so uh this is a match i would uh, think that would have ended up on a dvd somewhere i'm sure i've seen it but um it was a really good uh match uh flair starts off with uh these vicious chops didn't he he was just mm. like, there was a lot of them thrown in there as well they go to the outsides go to the fr- go to the corner and then Bischoff just calls Flair the dirtiest man in the sport. I had to rewind it, and I was thinking, what does he mean by that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. uh, Pilvin goes uh, to Pilman goes for a cradle, but only gets a two. Then Flair wins with a figure four, which um, I think that's the first time I've seen Ric Flair win with a figure four uh, leg lock. Um, he's normally on the losing end, or somebody always reverses that that hold, but. Yeah, as a hot, as a match itself, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was definitely worthy of being the main event. Uh, what are your thoughts on it, Si?
0: Well, there's, there's a couple of things that stand out to me. One, Flair just looks like he belongs in the main event of these TV shows, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Just, it's just I know it's I know it's stating the bleeding obvious, but he is just a star. Pillman, I think, looks great as well. Absolutely fantastic, wearing the jacket that was very similar or potentially even it was the jacket from his time in the Hollywood Blondes tag team with Steve Austin, which were I don't know how long that ran for 10 months, 11 months. It's very short lived, but a very, very hmm. good tag team. Nonetheless, there's a couple of comments from Bobby Heenan that make me laugh. He he, he bangs on about his past with Flair and he's managing Flair in the, in the title wins and so on. But he says here, he's never seen Ric Flair look more focused. The previous night on the Ford War pay-per-view, they ran a whole promo about, a whole video package, about Flair losing focus and losing his way. And now with Bobby Heenan, literally the next night, is thing he's never seen him look more focused. It kind of contradicts itself, I think.
1: Wow. It's, uh, it's the inconsistency, isn't it?
0: Hmm. Yeah. We get a couple of moments from Pillman as well that I think were, were quite subtle. But it's almost like he was doing Ric Flair moves or or the Ric Flair stick to Flair. There's a moment where Flair drops Pillman onto the guardrail outside. Pillman stands up, turns around, takes a couple of steps and does what what they refer to, I suppose, as the Flair flop, where he just Hmm. lands on his face. But this time it's Pillman doing it. I thought that was quite cool. And there's another moment not long after that in the ring where Pillman, he gets cut off, it doesn't happen, but Pillman's in the corner cowering as Flair's approaching him. And he goes to jab Flair in the eye, exactly how Rick Flair does all the time to the baby faces. So I well, thought that was a couple of quite quite, quite clever, cute little moments there. Uh, Flair winning with a figure four. Yeah, you don't see it very often. Yeah, you're right. Um, his later run in the WWF where, where he was a good guy, he, he did it a bit more there, I guess. But yeah. I've seen him win a title match, and I'm fairly certain it was against Vader. Mm. I'm not sure if it was a title win or a title defence, but he won the match by pinning Vader in the figure four. I think it was Vader. I could be getting this completely wrong. It could be be somebody completely different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm fairly certain I've seen Flair, you know when their shoulders go to the mat and the rest count in one, two, and they'll get their shoulders up whilst they're still in the figure four. Yep. He he gets counted out with his shoulders on the mat whilst in the figure four leg lock. So I've seen that. Wow. But yeah, I mean, after the match, Flair calls out Arn Anderson again, saying he's coming for him. He's going to find him. Doesn't know if he's going to go find him backstage now or see him next week or whatever. But yeah, we're definitely not done with Flair and Arn Anderson at this point, are we?
1: No, definitely not. No, and uh, it seems like Flair's in a lot of angles here. He's also after the Macho Man, and he's after Brian Pillman and under Anderson. So, and yeah. he's also saving. Uh, much a man on the beach, so you know, he's uh, technically in a program with the devil as well. So, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: and there's also the the constant running theme of Flair hates Hogan and wants the title mm. and all this sort of stuff going as well. So, I'm, I'm, again, I'm a huge Ric Flair fan, so I'm just happy to see the guy on the show. So,
1: yeah, it definitely is the cornerstone of W.
0: Yeah, yeah. At this point, at this point, interestingly enough, that no Sting on this show.
1: Hmm. I know.
0: Obviously, they've only got an hour and they've got a lot of stuff to fit in, <laughs>
1: but yeah, no Sting wow, I found out interesting as well. But yeah, uh, I wonder where he was. Mm,
0: probably on the beach with Kevin Sullivan. Um, <laughs> just
1: chilling, you know, just just chilling with the Baywatch crew. <laughs> yeah, definitely at that time, yeah.
0: <laughs> ah, so then, Danny, so then, before we get to whether we have this listed as a hit, miss or middling, we have our usual sort of closer, I suppose. We have our woo moments and our O brother
1: brother 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 brothers,
0: brother woo! brother woo is something that we think is just bloody great about this show one of the highlights of this episode oh brother is very much what we think was a very big strong low point of the show danny do you want to go first or second my friend
1: um i'll go first this week um okay great stuff carry yeah. on Cool. Um yeah, so the Woo was definitely Mr. Wonderful's theme song. Um, oh my word! Because, <laughs> because um, straight after this, I'll, I'll listen to it on YouTube, and yeah, it's really good. Um, definitely one. I believe he used it in the WWE uh, on when he made a few appearances as well. So, okay. Yeah, so that's it's, it's stuck around. Um, and the uh, what's your um uh woo at the moment?
0: I'm going for Flair and Pillman in the main event. I really enjoyed it. It's a match that it's a singles contest. I don't think we've seen we, well, we hadn't seen often enough. We've seen them in a few tags and so on. But yeah, I really enjoyed Flair versus Pillman. It was intense, it was fast, it was it looked brutal. Yeah, for, for me, the, the woo this week is the main event.
1: Great choice, great choice. Um, I'd say with the O Brother is something we didn't cover, which was uh the ending, the sign off of the show, because uh the commentators promised us that there was something happening backstage and then they never cut to it. <laughs> oh yeah. So in the typical W fashion, they just went off the air. Um <laughs> what was your uh, O brother, so
0: the whole Kevin Sullivan Baywatch. On the beach, with the jacket, the lifeguards, that whole thing. just, Yeah, that did nothing for me, mate. That was just silly nonsense. You know, just silly, silly nonsense. Exactly the same as it was on 4Brawl. Silly nonsense with the Dungeon of Doom. It seems to be a running theme for me at the moment.
1: (laughs) I can totally see that. So then, Danny, overall this week,
0: hit, miss or middling?
1: I would say a hit with this week, uh, surprisingly. Uh, what about you, sir?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It just it just sort of steps into that hit uh, boundary, I suppose. There's less Dungeon of Doom on this episode, <laughs> which is yeah. always a good point for me. Uh, Flair Pillman was good. It, it just, yeah, a hit. A, a good positive episode. I'm looking forward yeah. to tuning in next week and seeing more of the same.
1: Yeah, same here.
0: There we go then, that again flies by and brings us to the end of another episode of Monday Nitro and ultimately the end of this episode of Nitro Nights. Uh, Danny, before we depart, do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online and your content and everything else you're doing and make sure you do give out all the details for One Man's Meat podcast. I listened to episode one last night and you and Chris did a fantastic job. I really, really enjoyed that show.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, um, yep, You can find me on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. I may not sound Scottish, but trust me, I am. Uh, you can listen to me on A Changing Attitude with Mags, Ori, Tanner, where we uh, discuss the uh, the uh, attitude era going back. We're in 1997 now, so that's pretty cool. And uh, you can also hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with uh, the great Chris Bellis because um, we're, we're discussing everything that people seem to have forgotten about or um the muskies corners of the uh, wrestling industry um, so that you don't have to so yeah that's where you can find me how about yourself sir?
0: yeah thank you very much mate i mean it's well worth listening to that first episode of one man's meet again like i said i listened to it last night absolutely brilliant really really good i'd be laughing and it was informative as well there was stuff i hadn't learned about and you're covering a show that i'd never seen so i'm really looking forward to uh to get in the YouTube link off yourself so I can have a watch of that as well. So, yeah, definitely go and check that out. But you can find me on Twitter, at SJPWords, and via my, my personal Twitter there, at SJPWords, you can go and find all the shows I'm involved in. We've got some science fiction, time travel, wibbly-wobbly kind of sci-fi efforts with regards to the Waiting Room podcast that I do with Mr Benny Mac, covering Quantum Leap episode by episode, the Doctor Who pod that we do with our good friend Dan Griffin, covering various Doctor Who stories from Classic Who and New Who. We also have chain wrestling that I do with our good friend, the always excellent Mr. Mags, live on Monday nights via Radio Techers, but also available on a podcast version on the Wednesday. And obviously, there's this show, Nitro Nights. So most importantly, follow me at sjp words find me on facebook as well sjp all the shows and info there's a group there but most importantly find this show on twitter and facebook at nitro underscore knights it's as simple as that danny i'm having an absolute blast these nitros fly by too quickly i wish they were longer but i get the impression that when they do go longer i'm going to start wishing they were shorter
1: (laughs) especially when we hit the three
0: hour mark oh man don't even uh, yeah yeah okay (laughs) right then my friend i will speak to you again very very soon for our next episode of nitro and to everybody else as always thank you for listening